Well, it's great to be here with you, and um, I'm here to try and rescue the Australian reputation <laughs> in some way or another. It was more like a cricket score, wasn't it? <laughs> Things like that. But that's all right. We've got to let you win sometimes. So It's actually been a real tool for me because I've been trying to convince um, you, Andrew Smith. You, who, uh, who knows Andrew Smith? You've sort of heard of him. Yeah. He's sort of very keen about this place just around from the Gateway Church there, a place called Parkhead. Parkhead, I think he calls it, or Paradise and whatever. And I've been trying to convince him that there's plans afoot to turn it into a rugby field. And so um, he doesn't talk to me after I say that. But we'll see what happens now that you guys have slaughtered the Aussies in that. That's great. I want to um, share with you a message today uh, that's been on my heart for some time. And, um, and I did actually have another message that I was preparing here, but I felt uh, in the middle of the week that God changed me into, uh, changed my thoughts into a, a different direction. And so I want to talk about the Weight Watcher today, and I'm not going to talk about diets, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about, uh, but I am going to talk about weight, because I do believe that God has a passion about this subject, and we're going to look at it together for a few minutes. And then at the end, we're going to just uh, do some practical aspects to do with weight watching um, as God reveals to us what he's going to do. There's a, there's a tremendous scripture, which I'll just read to you. There's no need to turn to it because we'll be bouncing all the way through the scriptures today. It says in Romans 8:29, it says, For whom he knew, for knew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So we are in that category. We are in the the predestined group that are predestined to be conformed in the image of his son. We are the called ones. We have been called, but not only have we been called, but we've been justified. Therefore, we are on a journey to be glorified. Isn't that wonderful? And so we're going to talk about the glory of God in a few minutes. But when we first look at this, if you just go to the next slide there, it's a heavy revelation. God weighs everything. Here's a fascinating um, understanding as I looked into the Scriptures about this, I began to realize that that God has this obsession with weights. If you look at it, which we haven't got time to go into for a full study today, but there are so many scriptures where God talks about weights. He says there, I shall not count him pure with wicked scales and bags full of deceitful weights. He is interested about the weight, that weight be proper, that everything be in its proper place. Um, God calls foolishness as a heavy weight. God is interested in weights. He, um, he talks about the, um, the different areas of balances, an unhealthy scale 
God considers to be something which is very, very difficult. And um, on the scales and weights are of the Lord, but all the weights are in the bag of his work. Uh, it says that God is interested in the weight of things. Remember the story of the woman? The widow woman that turned up at the temple and, and she put the offering in? Now Jesus must have been watching what was going into the offering bag. Because he said, hey, disciples, look at this. Come here, come here, come here, look at it. Then they go, we've seen an old woman before. My mother's one. You know, I've seen them before. And, and he said, look at this woman, look at her. The others gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her need. She gave everything she had. What do you think Jesus was doing? He was weighing it up. There was only two mites, which virtually weighed nothing. But he was weighing it up. He wasn't weighing the weight, but he was weighing the weight. The weight of something. God is interested in weights. And I want to say in this church this morning, as I was driving here this morning, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and saying that integrity is very high in this house. There's a very high integrity about the way business, the way honesty, the way truth, the way things are done. There's an integrity in this house. There's an integrity in you, Stephen, that just is permeated through this whole place. And God is well pleased because there's no false balances. There's no half-truths. There's no... The only thing about a half-truth is that it's a whole lie. The, the, the reality of it is this, that God is looking on your integrity and he's well pleased. That God wants to take you further because of that foundation. He wants to take you into something deeper and greater. There's more weight to be added to this house. More weight to be added to, these, to you as a people. Listen to this. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 2, the ways, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Did you know that according to that scripture, that God is weighing your spirit? God is weighing you this morning? That's why he's a weight watcher. You thought he just... You thought you'd just come here to do everything, but God's saying, no, I look beyond all the superficial. I look beyond all the, all the, all the, all the, the, the things that men look at, and I weigh. I'm weighing your heart. I'm weighing your spirit this morning. He's weighing to see how much you weigh. How much do you weigh this morning? How heavy are you? How much of that offering that is taken up, how much of it is out of your abundance, and how much of it is from a whole heart. If Jesus watched when he walked on the earth, don't you think he's watching today? God is weighing the spirits of men. I read that scripture a few months ago and it, just like, it was just like a, a lightning bolt of revelation went through me and I thought, my God, we can't get away with anything. We can't get away from anything. You're weighing everything, every action, every moment, everything that I think, every thought, every motivation. God weighs the spirits. Job cried out in 30, chapter 31, verse 6, he says, let me be weighed as in an even balance that the Lord may know my integrity. 
Job in the midst of his troubles and trials and all the different comforters were there and accusing him of everything like that, he yelled out, listen, let me be weighed, let me be weighed in an even balance. God, you weigh me and you know whether I've got integrity or not. If I haven't, then God, your judgments are true. God is weighing the spirits. And when we come to church, it should be a time where we come and expose ourselves before God for God to begin to weigh the spirits of people. Did you know that there was a story in the Old Testament, very, very clear story, where a guy called the name by the name of Belshazzar had taken the gold goblets and the implements of worship from the temple and brought it in and was making light of them. Remember, he was drinking and carrying on and all that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, a hand appeared and began to write on the wall. Man, I love that. God was the first graffiti artist. <laughs> Begins to write on the wall. Meany, meany. Tackle me fasten or something, you know? Meany, meany. Whatever it was. And he begins to, and Daniel interprets it, and he says, one of the things there, he says, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And then the kingdom was taken from them that night, and so on and so on. These are things where I began to realize that God is a weight watcher. God is weighing the events of history. God is weighing the decisions of parliaments and kings and God is weighing our hearts and our decisions and us that we should be not found in the balances and found wanting. Thank God for Jesus because whenever we are weighed in the balance and found wanting, Jesus tips the scales. Hallelujah. He got on side there and said, let me put a bit of weight there for you. But there is a process in which God wants to move and bring us into balance. God is testing the spirits of people. He's weighing the integrity. He's weighing the areas of heart. He also weighs iniquity. There's stories in the Old Testament of, of, of nations that God is about to judge and he says, no, no, not yet. The cup of iniquity is not yet full for the Amorites, I think it was, Ammonites. And I look around and I see nations and I see things going on in this world and I discover that God has changed not. And we look at things and we wonder, is anything ever going to change? Is things going to take place? Whatever. God is waiting for the cup to be filled. He's weighing. He's weighing the decisions. Politicians, um, do you think God is at the moment doing a little bit of stirring in Hollywood? Do you think there's some stuff being weighed at the moment and some stuff coming out of the closets and things like this? I believe that God is behind a lot of what's going to be exposed in these next 10 years or so. Do you understand? God is weighing up everything. God is weighing things. But that's not the weight I want to talk about today. I don't really want to talk about those things. I just want to get you to understand that God is weighing things. And he's looking for something. He's not looking for how much iniquity. He's not looking for the motivation. He's not looking for all those things. He's looking for something else. He's looking for something because he wants to impart something to us that has a sense of substance.
Can you just go to the next one, please, if we could? Glory, glory, hallelujah. It's not odd, it's the kabod. Kabod is the Hebrew word for glory. The word glory in the Hebrew is kabod. Kabod is a very interesting word because when you look it up and you research it, it talks about many aspects as to do with the glory of God. It speaks about the shining of the Lord, all those things. But one word that is common that interprets the word kabod is the word weightiness. Weightiness. The glory of God is defined as something that is weighty. Isn't that amazing? The weightiness of the Lord. The weight. The weight of God. And I want to tell you that there is a times when God will come with his presence and you will feel him and he feels, you can feel the weight of God physically upon your body. You can feel the weight of God come into a room. I've been in meetings where all of a sudden the glory of God has come in and you just feel the weight of God in the place and you go, God is here. There's a weightiness, but it's more than that. It's to do with the character and the nature. It's to do with the integrity of God. It's to do with God's power and God's presence. God's entity is to do with the weightiness of God. And so the glory of God is something that God wants to impart to us. In that scripture there, whom he is justified, he will also glorify. He wants to impart it. To understand this, we've got to go back to the creation. When God created in his own image, in his own likeness and breathed it in the breath of life and man became a living soul, man became a spiritual being that is in touch with God and with earth. It also says there that God in the Psalm 2, I think it is, he says there he crowned man with glory and with honour. Isn't that amazing? He actually put upon man glory and honour. He put upon him the glory of God himself and he put upon him the honour that God bestowed upon mankind. That's why man was different than all the other beasts of the field. That's why man was different. In actual fact, it says there that God made man a little lower than the angels, but that's not really what the Hebrew means. It means God made man a little lower than God himself and put upon him the glory. Of course, when man sinned, what happened? He lost the glory. All of a sudden, he was naked. I don't think all of a sudden he looked at Eve and Eve looked at him and said, wow, you look different. Oh, and then, wow, look at you. Hubba hubba, you know, whatever. I don't think that's what they were talking about. They were naked now because the glory of God had lifted. They were now naked before God. They were now naked before their enemies. They were now naked before each other. And shame came in. And they became ashamed. They replaced the glory of God with shame. But I want to tell you something. God, through Jesus Christ, wants to restore the glory to his people. We're on a journey, church, for God to restore the glory. So the glory and the honour that was lost in Adam is now restored through Christ. And we have been called, we have been justified, and we are being glorified. There is an impartation of the glory of God that is coming. Isn't that wonderful? The glory of God. God wants to impart the glory. See, the idea that we're on about today is that you need to have glory in your life, otherwise you will not be heavy enough to make it to the end of the road. Wow. God wants to impart glory. 
God wants us to be in a place where we are constantly looking for the glory of God. In uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it talks about there, about that we are being changed, doesn't it? From glory to glory, even by the Spirit. It says that we, with open face, beholding in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are being changed. Being changed. That, that's an amazing passage. It's not talking about us looking to the Lord. It's not talking about us looking to God and that as we look to God we are being changed. It actually says when we look into a mirror. When we actually are looking in the mirror, we actually should be able to see ourselves changing from glory to glory to glory to glory. Now, wonderful. When my little girl was born 30 years ago, when she was born, she came out and she was just this screaming little... We looked at her and we went, isn't she glorious? Isn't she wonderful? Then a few months later, she started going... We said, oh, it's glorious. She was changing from glory to glory. And then she started walking and then she started talking and she hasn't stopped (laughs) talking. Right? Now she's married and she's having a baby. And every single stage of that has been glorious. Do you understand? She's just as glorious as she was when she was a little baby as she is now as a 30-year-old about to be a mother. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how it's supposed to be. But if she was still at 30 going... That would not be very glorious. You understand what I'm saying there? And we look at Christians and we think, wow, they've never grown, they've never changed, there's never been input, nothing, nothing. There's no weight. There's no weight of God in their life. There's no weightiness. The glory is not being imparted. We need to be looking into the mirror and realizing we are being changed. As we say, I'm different, I'm different, I'm different, I'm different, I'm different, I'm different, I'm changing from glory to glory even by the Spirit of God. It's not by our own tricks. It's not by our own magic. It's not by our own ways. It's by the glory of God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. The next chapter talks about that we, with open face, are now able to look into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, into the glorious gospel, and we're able to see Jesus as he really is. Wow. Under the old covenant, They only saw shadows and types they couldn't really see. Moses said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God said to him, well, if you can come up to the top of the mountain, I want you to prepare two tables of stone like you did before. I want you to take these two two tablets. Because Moses had been up there the first time and said, God, God, these people, they are giving me a headache. And God said, here, take these two tablets. And of course he came down and you know the story, he broke those tablets. And then God, he says, God, show me your glory. And God says to him, take two tablets like the ones that you broke. Don't you love God? He said, get two new tablets, cut out two new tablets like the ones before, like the ones you broke and come up to the mountain. You see, Moses had to prepare his heart. He had to go up that mountain. As he went up that mountain, he was to... Go there, because God said to him, you have found grace. I know you by name. Isn't that us? We've found grace, and he knows us by name. He says, come up the mountain. There's a rock by me where you can stand. That's Christ. There's a cleft in the rock. We're in Christ. And I will cover you with my hand. 
which is the authority and the, and the purposes of God, the, 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 the fivefold ministry of God, the, the reason that there is a pastors and apostles and evangelists and teachers and um, whoever else there are. Who's the other one? I can't think of who it is. Teachers. The, the, the five of them. They're on our lives and we have authority, they have authority over our lives and they minister to us because they bring us into the fullness. And he says, I'll cover you with my hand and when I walk, when you go past, as I go past, I'll lift my hand and you'll see the, the hindsight. You will see a part of me, but you won't see me face to face. When you see that, it says that Moses had an impartation of the glory, even just seeing the back of God, he had an impartation of glory and when he came down he had to put a veil over his face. I always thought Moses was so ugly that he had to put a veil but it wasn't. It's the fact that the glory of God had been imparted and his face shone even though it was fading away. Even though it was a lesser covenant with lesser promises, lesser priesthood, lesser sacrifice, lesser, 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 still the glory was imparted. When we read the next chapter of chapter of Corinthians chapter it says but we with open face we now can look into the face of our Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel and we don't see the here the hindsight we see full on isn't that wonderful face to face let me tell you something when you see God face to face you know what happens no man can see God face to face and live we die to ourselves and become alive in him wow Wow. Oh, I want to keep on living. No, God wants you to die to self and rise in newness of life. Guys, we have the incredible, incredible opportunity today. The day in which we live, the hour in which we live, the generation in which we live to allow the glory of God to be so imparted into our lives that we can begin to have the weightiness of God like never before. The world is looking for a church that is now got the touch of the glory and the honour of God upon it. Amen? Amen. Back again. Back again. Yep, we're still on that. The kabod is that weightiness of God. I shared this in the church where Andrew's pastoring and Andrew, at the end of it, got up and he, Andrew sort of is well endowed in this area, as you know. <laughs> and uh, he got there and he said, I always tell people that the weightiness, the weight I've got is, it's the kebab. It's the kebab. And I said, Andrew, no, it's not. It's the kebab. <laughs> it's the kebab. So don't get confused between the kebab and the kebab. And Andrew then corrected me and said, no, 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 it was kebabs, plural, <laughs> like kebab. <laughs> God is wanting to impart his glory to us because we need the glory of God. We need that, the weight of his glory. It's something which is essential to take us through where God wants to take us through. If we just go to the next one if we could, thanks. Here's the question, how much do you weigh? There's good weight and there's bad weight. God wants to get rid of excess baggage. 
from us. You know, if you go on a plane and you got over the weight, you know what they do? They charge you an excess baggage weight, don't they? They charge you. I just heard the other day that Ryanair is going to charge for emotional baggage now <laughs> as well. So make sure you're completely healed before you go on emotionally. But emotional, I mean baggage. Paul, in Hebrews, it talks about there that we should get rid of every weight, every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. You know that? And that weight is superfluous fresh flesh. That's what it is, superfluous flesh. You try and say that after you've had a couple of, of uh, lemonades. It's just <laughs> diet, of course, diet lemonade. We're... It's that which is that. It's, it's speaking about stuff hanging on our lives like loose clothing that we cannot... It wraps around our legs. It's just stuff that tangles us up. It's stuff we don't need. Superfluous flesh. Superfluous stuff that's just in our lives. And you know, in the Western world, we're full of it, aren't we? We're full of superfluous things and hobbies and stuff that we do that sometimes just is not causing us to grow. It's weighing us and slowing us down. And the sin that so easily besets us. Well, within the context of that scripture, I think the sin that so easily besets us is unbelief. Unbelief. I was always told when I was um, preaching, they always said, don't eat a big big steak dinner before you preach, otherwise you're full of beef and unbelief. But <laughs> unbelief is a parallel belief system. It's something that believes something but it's not quite the truth. It runs parallel. You know about parallel, don't you? Parallel never meets. So God wants us to lay off some things. There's certain things that we need to put aside. There's certain things that we need to stop. And if you go through the scriptures, you'll see that they go through all that stuff. Stop quarreling. Stop doing this. Stop owning that. Stop worrying about this. You know, get rid of old wives' fables and, and, uh, and historical stuff that means nothing. And all this sort of thing, he says, get away from it. Put off the old and put on the new. Take off the old stuff that's just and put on the new. We need to be renewed day by day. It says the outer man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Is that right? I believe that's the impartation of the glory, the impartation of God's glory into our lives. How much do you weigh? Get rid of the old and put on the new. It's not... It's something which is extremely important to us to put on this, this weight of the glory of God. The good weight, not the bad weight. There's a good weight. There's something about the, the presence and the power of God that comes into our life that makes a big difference. Do you know that we've got to have an essential amount of weight to be able to do anything? There's something important. We go to the next one if we could. The study of ballistics and trajectory is a study of projectiles. You haven't got to sit there and study those formulas, okay? They're just, they're just up there for illustration. I know. All the engineers are sitting there going, oh, yes, mm, right, okay. Stevie? St- 
ballistics is the study of the wind resistance, the gravity, the force, the moisture, the everything that, as a projectile's going, it is working to destroy it. It's working to bring it to. As soon as the projectile is left, the first thing that starts operating is gravity, trying to pull it down. Is that right? So that's why when you shoot something, you've got to shoot it that way because it's going to be forcing down. All that stuff. That's to do with ballistics. It's to do with the amount of energy, amount of wind resistance. You ever seen those sniper movies? I love those sniper movies. You know, some guy's about 20,000 miles away and they get there and they get that and they go, wind is blowing at 3.7 knots. You know, and I love it when they got the camera on top of the bullet, don't you? And like that. Oh, I just love them. That's, ballistics takes into effect all that resistance. Trajectory is to do with the angle that you've got to do and, and all that to do with the direction and so on like that. But you know, it also takes into account the amount of charge that's behind the bullet, the, the, the shell. It takes into account the um, length of the barrel. It takes into account so many factors that depend on where it goes. And when God gets a hold of our life, we get saved, he calls us, we, we begin the journey of becoming more and more like him, we get uh, justified, then he starts the glorification. The reality of it is, is he's, got a, he's got a target for us to hit. Is that right? Paul says, I forget those things which are behind. I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Is that right? So you got saved and God then said, right, you know, takes you out of his pocket and sets you up, ready to go. The Old Testament, they talked about being arrows. The sons of a man's youth are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. It talks about arrows. They would have to straighten the arrow. They would have to balance the arrow. They would have to put feathers on the arrow. They had to put a spot. You see, it's to do with the weight. If you send out a projectile that's too light... It just goes anywhere with it. Just nothing affects it. Everything affects it. But you've got to have enough weight that has enough charge behind it to go through. As Pentecostals, God's given us the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God, to project us into our destiny and purposes. But we've got to have enough weight upon us so that we're not blown around. We can't be too heavy because we go down and crash. You know, bang! Oops. Have you seen people, Christians, who get boop? Bang! Oh, they're gone. Or you see other ones that just drift off and oh, hallelujah! You know, and off they go. They're no, that heavenly minded. They're of no earthly use. But I've also met some people that are that earthly minded. They're of no heavenly use. You see what I'm saying? We need to be allowing God because God will put enough of the glory in us to suit. Then he puts us in the barrel, and we, sometimes we think, I need to be released, I need to be released, I've been going forever, I'm still stuck in the barrel. <laughs> but the reality is, the longer the preparation, sometimes the greater the area of ministry that God wants to put you into. Do you see what I'm saying here? Because God wants to put some weight in you, and then he wants to project you. Ballistics, spiritual ballistics, spiritual trajectory in that way. I remember sharing something about this in the church up in Dundee and a guy came up to me afterwards who had been a, um, in a gunnery. He had been a gunnery in the military 
and they had to study all this stuff and they had to work out the actual angle and the, and the, project, the weight of the projectile and all those things, all the calculations. Incredible stuff. Incredible. But God does that in our lives every day as he wants to send us in and send us out into what God wants to do. So you've got to be heavy enough. Are you heavy enough? Are you heavy enough to do where God wants to send you to, where God wants to take you to? Get rid of the excess baggage that's not meant to be there, the projectiles, the charge, the quality, the amount, the barrel, the length, all those things God works out and allows you to do it. Next one, if we could. Don't be carried around by every wind of doctrine. You see, you read these things, and it's interesting terminology, every wind of doctrine. If you understand projectiles, and you understand ballistics, you understand trajectory, you understand that the wind has a major factor in it. And we need to be have the glory of God upon our lives. We need to be infatuated with the word of God. Have a, a how can I put it, to be um, fascinated by the glory of the word of God. You ever read the Bible and all of a sudden the glory of the word just overtakes you? You just go, wow, and you just get washed. You know, Jesus talked about now you were clean with the, by the words I've spoken unto you. It says that husbands need to wash their wives with the water of the word. Isn't that wonderful? To wash your wife with the water of the word, to be able to speak the word of God over your wife or your husband or your children or your family. And get caught up in the glory of the word because we don't need to be blown around or carried about by every wind of doctrine. You see it in churches. You see people that go from one internet to another internet situation, another this, another that. You see Christians going from church to church to church to church, never ever solid because they're being blown around by every wind of doctrine. Because we need to have enough weight, enough of the glory of God in our lives because he wants to push it around. Blowing in the wind, are you too light? If you find that your head is spinning all the time, then I'll tell you what, you need to get some more of the, the, the wonderful, precious glory of God. We're going to look very quickly on how to put on extra weight if we just go to the next one. Ways to gain weight. And we won't spend a lot of time here but just highlight a few things and this is not exhaustive in any way. But one of the ways is to be behold in a mirror. It's that sense of looking and seeing how God is changing your life. Working with God. Looking into your life and seeing things that God, you need to change this. God, this hasn't changed. This needs to, it's a, it's a matter of looking into that place. It's coming because sensitive before God in that mirror saying, God, where am I? Where am I at? According to 2 Corinthians 4.17, let me just read that to you. It's just, I've just got it here so you can see it really easy. It says, For our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see the words that are used here, the weight of glory? He says that, Hey, look, the light and momentary, see, light and momentary is nothing compared to the eternal and weight of God. You see, 
if we want to move into the realms of what God wants to put into us as people and as as a church, then we cannot shy away from suffering. We cannot shy away from suffering for righteousness' sake. We cannot shy away from suffering because of truth. Compromise will not add the glory of God to our life. Do you understand what I'm saying there, don't you? We need to make a stand. We need to stand. And if it means light and momentary affliction, so be it. But it works within us an eternal and weight of glory. I think the Western church is about to go under some fairly heavy persecution. I think we're going to find it come in all different ways. Maybe politically, maybe economically, maybe financially, maybe even physically, I don't know. But what I do know is that if the church makes its stand and the church doesn't yield and doesn't make compromise, it'll work within us an eternal weight of glory. And the glory and the honour that originally was meant will return in that capacity. Do you follow what I'm saying here? Because I believe that this is where we're at. We need to be heavier. We don't need lightweight Christianity. We've got to be heavy enough to be projected into the purposes and the plans that God has for it. Jesus talked about the word of God and he says to the scribes and the Pharisees, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, yet you have neglected the weightier, the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So even Jesus is saying there that even under the old covenant there was certain laws that were more weighty than others. There's aspects in our lives that God puts more weight upon than other things. God is wanting to add weight to us. Exercise, so we won't get in, just go, we won't get in, we won't get into that too much. Except that the Bible talks about exercising. Exercise yourself to godliness. Exercise yourself. Exercise. Who likes exercise? One person. Okay. <laughs> Who likes exercise? Well, God's talking about a spiritual exercise. Exercise yourself to righteousness. Exercise yourself to godliness. Exercise yourself in so many things. In 1, in 1 Peter 3 to 11, which we haven't got time to get into today, we'd be here all day if I did. But look, into, look up those scriptures and you'll see there, it talks about the, 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 that we exercise ourselves in so many of these ways. It talks about it. Exercise means to repeat a program of exercise like in a gym. One mind, emotions, will and the spirit. It's, a, it's a, an exercise in godliness. There goes on the next one there. Godliness, godliness means the reverence, respect and piety and worship rightly directed. Exercise yourself to godliness, it says. And it also talks about that godliness with Contentment is great gain because it has the promise of life, a uh, promise in this life, life to come. You see, you want the glory of God, then exercise yourself to godliness. Let godliness be a part of your life. Now, godliness doesn't mean godlikeness. 
I always thought godliness meant godlikeness, but it doesn't. Godlikeness means godlikeness. Godliness means honour and respect. To give honour and respect to those who need honour and respect. You can tell a godly person because they honour and respect those in authority. You can tell a godly person because they give honour and respect to those that it's due. You can tell a godly person because they give God the direct and the correct honour and um, respect that he deserves. It means that they honour God and they worship God for being God, not for what they can get. To be a godly person. For godliness gives the promise in this life and in the life to come. I don't know about you, but I truly want to have that area. To honour truly, honour truly given. If you just go to the next one there. I believe that actually is talking about following the appointed leaders that God has put in our lives. The appointed spiritual leaders that God puts over a house. The pastor and the elders and those that are God's given authority to do. See, I shared something like this with some people once and they were absolutely amazed. They said, you mean to tell me that God gives the leaders of a church authority? The answer is yes. Look at those scriptures. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And then verse, in verse 17 he says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Well, everyone loves that part. Watch, let them, you know, they're the ones that got to give an account. So we look there and we say, yep, the pastor's got to give an account of how he pastored me as a part of his congregation. So there. <laughs> right? But the next part there says, but let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. <gasps> what? You mean to tell me that in the process of this glory being imparted into our life, that God takes into account how we treat the pastor? That one day, Stevie's going to stand before God and God's going to say, you know, if I was a member of this congregation, stand up there and he'd say, now, Stevie, um, Ron Edwards, he was a part of your congregation. And Stevie goes, oh, no. <laughs> I thought being dead, I wouldn't have to, st I thought I'd get away from him. <laughs> and he says, give me an account. Well, Lord, I tried everything. I tried everything. But we couldn't get him, we, we couldn't get him to stop those jokes. <laughs> we tried everything. And if he gives a grief, it's not going to be profitable to me. That's an amazing and God gives authority, he also gives accountability, but he also, that accountability is because he has authority. And if we don't yield to these things, but if he stands there and he says, Ron Edwards, oh, best member of the church. <laughs> My greatest asset. Like that. I'm being silly, but the reality of this is that one day we have to all give an account. As a leader, I have to give an account. As a follower, I have to give an account. I serve Andrew Smith at the moment in Gateway Church. And Andrew has to give an account over me and I have to give an account back to Andrew. And we both have to give an account to God. 
Do you see what I'm saying? The glory of God wants to be imparted into our life. And these are the ways in which the glory of God into our life. Let's go to the next one. Eat meat. <laughs> According to Hebrews 5.14, it talks about there, it says that you should be eating meat, but you are only still eating milk. Right? You're still on milk. You should be eating meat. Guys, if you're still reading, you know, bread for today or if you're still in that place where you get that little loaf of bread and you go, oh, God, speak to me, and you stick your hand into the promise box and you pull it out, they go, oh, hallelujah, something's wrong. Remember a guy getting onto a plane once, he said, oh, Lord, you know that your servant is really worried about these flying contraptions. Give me comfort. So he opened up his Bible and he put his finger in, looked, and it said, today you shall be with me in paradise. <laughs> oh, God, please. So he said, don't fool with me, Lord. This gave me another. And he puts it in there and it says, and Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, no, no. no. One more time, Lord. Please. Put his finger on it. Go ye and do likewise. Oh, no. If you're still living spiritual roulette, then something's wrong. Get into the meat. Start devouring the word and that allow the glory of God to become something that puts it in there. And the last one, if you could come up, come up now, Kerry, if you could just, is the worship, encountering God, encountering God on his terms. I really believe this is where we're coming to in worship, is that we need to be encountering God on his terms. Not a matter of singing songs that we want to sing, it's a matter of sin spending time finding out how God wants to be worshipped what God wants to do as we're driving down today Stephen is it, do you prefer to be called Stephen or Steve? S- Stephen I really felt this that God hold of your life in a new way my friend come out here let me pray for you God's God's got giftings and graces upon your life and that in a sense there's been a I'm going to use the word coasting not not as a derogative statement but it's like this is easy I could do this with one hand behind my back and I just feel like God's coming to you and saying son if you allow me I want to put my glory upon you and I want to take you into new realms of worship and I want you to lead my people into new realms of worship. There's a new cost to be paid. There's a new... There's God's requiring something more. God's saying, come on, son, the grace, the giftings, the callings, the projectile that I want to shoot you through, the target that I want you to hit, Come on, let's get that glory in there. Let's get me to touch your hand in such a way that I'll anoint you anew and afresh. It's the word I keep getting is a fresh anointing, a fresh worship in the house. God wants to give you songs, fresh songs, songs for the house. I don't know if you've ever written a song or you never died, but God's going to start to give you songs and they're going to be maybe simple songs. They will not go onto the internet. They won't be sung all over the place, but they'll be sung in this house.
because there'll be something fresh and it'll be something that'll carry the glory of God it'll worship God the way God wants to be worshipped does that make sense? and I believe God wants to do that for you just raise your hands right where you are Father just come upon Stephen right now and Lord let that fresh new anointing that fresh anointing Lord the anointing abides within the giftings and the graces that are in there But Father, this is no longer a time to take the foot off the pedal. This is a time to allow you to come and change the gears, go up another level, to take him to a new dimension in you. Father God, I pray that the glory of the Lord will be upon him and that he will carry the glory and that glory will be imparted through music and through song into this house in such a way. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're just going to sing this song. Show me your glory. And if that's your heart, say you you look into the mirror and you say to yourself, God, I just need to grow more. I need more of your glory. Sing this with us. Show me your glory. And then we're going to sing about the majesty of God. We're going to sing him as the majesty, as the sovereign, as the king. We're going to do that for a few minutes. They're asking that God will just come with his glory. That God will impart glory to you. That as you leave this place, you will go out heavier than what you came in. Not because I preached, not because of this or that, but because the glory of God has been imparted. God wants to impart his glory to his church. Why not let him impart it into your life this morning? In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Lead us in the carry. Father God, we stand, we sit, we spend this time in your presence. But Father God, that you would do what only you can do, and that yes, is to God. impart your glory, to make us heavy enough that we will not be blown around by every wind of doctrine, that we will have enough of the, of the momentum and the, and the, and the projectile and the ballistics of God and the trajectory get the target and to know where it is that we're supposed to be. Father God, I pray that you would touch this church and that you would increase the glory on this house. I thank you for the integrity. I thank you, oh God, for the honesty and the and the motives and the trueness of this place. But Father God, it is time for there to be an increase of the glory. Yes, Lord. It's time, oh God, that you would impart more of your character and strength, more of your power, that we would see healings and miracles and signs of wonders. Father God, in this house, Father God, not because of anything we have done, but because of the impartation of your glory. Yes, the Lord, show this house, show this church your glory, show this people your glory. Let your glory be imparted. Father, these people that have been justified by your blood and justified by your ascension and resurrection, now, Father God, let there be a glorification that's imparted. Father God, the weightiness of God will be seen, will be sensed, will be felt, will be imparted. Father, change this church from glory to glory, even by your Spirit, oh God. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name.